Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. I hope you're enjoying this free podcast novel. If you want to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The entire Ruins of Empire series is available as an ebook or a paperback. You can buy them on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and you can always leave us a review. It helps more people find this and gives producer Sean a little thrill, because without you all listening, well, he's just a sad man listening to me read a book out loud. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Templum Venerous, book two of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author. Chapter 10. The bullet, a tiny railgun projectile fired from nearly five kilometers away, did not kill Diana Adriana that day, although many wished it had. She lost something in the attack. While her power and hold over her people were stronger than ever, she would re-emerge as a ruthless authoritarian who demanded fanatical devotion and loyalty. While she once believed that a single voice of reason and compassion could relax the hold the global corporations had on the world, she now thought that nothing short of total war would be sufficient. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Raff Joanna watched as the data she remembered as words, pictures, and numbers flickering on tiny screens took form and floated in the air in front of her. She reached out to touch an image of Cristo Redentor, towering over the ancient Rio de Janeiro. It passed through her fingers, as insubstantial as a flash of light. This is incredible, said Joanna. Kronos wearing his immersion gloves that wrapped around his arm closed his hand, and the image disappeared. One cannot understand the data from one side. One can only comprehend... To understand, one must see all sides, touch it, listen to its sounds. Is that what this does? Joanna indicated the silver board Kronos had installed into the ship's main computers. Kronos nodded and pulled the goggles back over his head. Nuvonet Immersion's operations equipment. What I install will let us pull what we can from the ship's ancient systems. We can explore it and process it more fully than ever before. He paused as the ship's systems appeared in front of his eyes reached out to touch an icon for master control, and looked at the data connections. A few of them, visible as bright glowing points of light swirling around him, were still active, but most looked as dark and dead as a star that had run out of fuel. He pulled his goggles back up. Most of the computer systems have stopped functioning. Joanna shrugged. Seem, when I start ten years ago, many work. I tried to read about Earth. Many stopped and never started. Kronos opened his hands and a glowing lens in the palm lit up. Joanna gasped as, again, a holographic image filled the space between them, displaying the same rotating points of light he saw through his immersion goggles. I see that power is burned out in a couple of sectors. Replacing the transformers could bring a few systems online. Of course, I don't know where you'd get such a thing here. Joanna thought about this for a moment before her face brightened. Sim, Podur, yes, I think I have the same. Come, come, I show you. Kronos swallowed hard as Joanna brushed past him knelt in front of a bank of computers, and opened the access panel. Some deep-ingrained sense of decorum forced him to look away as she crawled part of the way inside. Sim, Sim, here, come see, she said, crawling back out of the compartment. Kronos knelt down next to her, peered inside, and used the palm lens in his immersion glove to light the compartment. From the look of it, a power surge had melted the transformers, 
but most amazing was that she appeared to have repaired or replaced them from various parts around the ship. You, you did this. Jonas shoved her way next to him in the cramped compartment. She pressed in so close he could feel the heat from her face. She smelled like fruit blossoms and grease, a strange but beautiful combination. Seem, I use design in ship. Make something that should work, but it does not. It never has, she said, a forlorn tone in her voice. Kronos stood up and pulled his goggles back down over his eyes. He touched a few icons that floated in front of him and accessed the system diagnostics. I think I see the problem. Without proper calibration, the repaired transformers force the system to shut down. I can reset the system, power up the necessary components to recalibrate and cycle the power. He pulled his goggles off. Then, many more systems should come online. Joanna's eyes sparkled, and she gave him a smile that made his knees weak. Sim, you think? When I first come here, I open computer system and spend hours and hours reading about Earth. It made me think, so beautiful a thing could not exist. Kronos touched some icons in the air to start the system's reset protocol. Venus seems very nice. It's warm. Air is breathable. People appear friendly. You'd be surprised how many worlds fall short of that. Cytheria is okay if you guard. You wear the red. You get everything. Kronos slipped the goggles off his head just enough to see Joanna clearly. Red. I can find something red. Althea probably has something that would suffice. I could ask if you could borrow it. Joanna chuckled. What I meant was, what is the word? Citizen. Citizen of Cytheria get everything. You're not a citizen, Kronos raised his eyebrows. Joanna shook her head. Must pass provocayo. Must train the entire time one is a child. Must fight in the arena. Must win. I train very hard, but I lose fight. I'm too short. My arm's too short. Kronos pulled his goggles back into place. I am not a fighter myself. I bleed easy. Joanna laughed. You very funny. I am. People don't always notice that about me. Kronos touched an icon, and the few screens that were still lit went black. Joanna was close to him again, that intoxicating smell of flowers and grease. What happened? she asked. Kronos took off his goggles and started to slide the immersion glove off his arm. The system reset has begun. It will take some time. Much data needs to be overwritten. Do you wish you were a citizen? No. It's better here, I think. Joanna sighed, shaking her head. Citizen women, they do nothing besides go to Salah, talk stupid with soldiers, make baby, and hope baby become Garda. What do you want to do? I would like to see Earth. There was that smell again. She was that close. It both exhilarated and terrified Kronos. He wanted to tell her that he would take her to Earth. He wasn't sure why or how, but he would. Show her, well, he wasn't exactly sure what there was on Earth worth seeing in the real world, but he would find something. At the same moment, an urge to back away, even run away, gripped him. Instead, he steered into her dark, piercing gray eyes, unable to flee or speak. He instantly became afraid of what to do with his hands. He reasoned that he should just do whatever was natural, except that he completely forgot what natural was. He tried keeping them straight at his sides, but there was something stupidly robotic about that. He removed his goggles and fidgeted with the lenses. Finally, Joanna, as if reading his mind, solved his problem and took him by both hands. Tell me about Earth, she said in a voice like satin bedsheets. Ah, uh, okay. Earth. Well, the food is good. He sensed that she may have been seeking a few more details and quickly added, and there are a lot of hollow vids involving cats. Is, how you say it, 
System reset. Going to take a long time. Joanna's face was just inches from his. Maybe we find something to pass time. It became clear to Kronos what activity Joanna might be hinting toward. Or at least, he had a pretty good guess. And the idea both thrilled him and caused a flash of terror. Kronos snatched his hand back. Er, yes. It could be a while. And I should go back to the ship. Our ship, I mean. Our shuttle. Lots of work to do. More equipment to bring back. He stumbled backward and nearly fell into a pile of computer components, then caught his balance and rallied. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Oh, Joanna said, casting her eyes down. Yes, lots of work to do. Rest will be good for both of us. I'll talk to you then. We have much to share. With that, Kronos practically ran out of the ship's bridge and into the hall that led outside. Althea banged on the front door of an expansive house just up the hill from the Salagran. It was made of a type of wood that felt like it was turning to stone right on the hinges. She could break every bone in her hand trying to make an audible sound, so she punctuated the pounding by screaming, Vago, I need to talk to you! Eventually, Vago pulled the door open and stepped squinting into the light wearing nothing but a length of thin white linen tied around his waist like a towel. He blinked and wobbled as if he wasn't sure Althea was standing in front of him or if she was just a hallucination brought on by a massive amount of drink. Althea, he slurred in a tone that was 50-50 mix of surprise and contempt. How did you... what did... what you doing? Althea showed him the arrow's computer on her arm. I slipped out of the Salah and located you using her beacon. I need to talk to you, right? Some movement behind Vago caught her eye. Just how many women are in there? Vago looked behind him, turned back, and grinned. Three, I think. Three, you think? The whole evening's been kind of a blur, but count the legs, divide by two, drop the remainder, you get... Well, I think you get three. Drop the remainder? One of them might have been mine. Or someone might just be really flexible. Either way. Althea threw up her hands. While I'm clearly interrupting... It's fine, it's fine. I was in the middle of a break anyway. Vigil called behind him. Be right back, ladies. Just have something annoying to take care of. He shut the door and turned to his former lover. You're playing a strange game, Althea. You made the, our relation, the future of our, our sustain. You made it pretty kiasan clear that we're nothing between us no more. I don't bloody well care about your activities, snapped Althea. Really? No. Well, good. And honestly, Vago, three. New personal best for me, Vago replied happily. Vago, there's something going on here. Something that's not right. Not to rush you, said Vago, weaving slightly. There's something going on in there that wasn't quite right. In fact, it was downright filthy. I'd like to get back to it, if that's okay. Vago, listen to me. This woman came up to me after I left the Salah. She was pregnant and terrified. She tried to tell me what was wrong, but she was so hysterical that I could barely make out what she was saying. I think someone's trying to take her child. Vago stood for a moment. Althea wasn't sure if he was processing what she told him, or slowly passing out on his feet. After a while, he said, That's terrible. I don't have words for how awful that is. I'm not wearing underpants right now, so what exactly do you want me to do? I, Althea stammered, I don't know, but something is going on. I mean, look at what happened in the arena today. Are you okay with that? Althea, when I was a kid, we was given a gun and sent to fight. Same age as them, maybe a little younger. Out here, away from all the comforts of civilization, people do what they gotta. We might not agree with it, but it's survival. Survival? Is that what you call that? You could always ask your brother what he thinks. She acted without a moment of thought. One minute Vega was talking, and then a red-hot burning anger flared up, and before she even knew what happened, 
There was a stinging pain in her outstretched palm and a red mark on the side of Vago's face. I'm sorry. Vago paused a moment to make sure he wasn't going to fall over. That wasn't called for. Look, we're both tired. We both had a rough couple of days. Try to get some sleep, okay? In the morning we can ask some questions. Maybe track this woman down and let Isra talk to her. We'll find out what's going on, okay? Althea stepped back. Part of her wanted to slap him again. Instead, she rubbed her hand and nodded. Okay. The two stood in silence for a moment before Vago asked, We good? Can I go back to what I was doing? Althea rolled her eyes. If you must. She didn't even get the whole sentence out before Vago slammed the door. Kronos tore through the cobblestone streets of Cytheria. A blip on his Eros computer gave him a general direction to work with, but otherwise he selected roads somewhat randomly. From what Kronos could tell, there was no actual organization to the city. It was as if somebody stopped halfway into building a city on the side of a mountain and then realized streets would be required at some point. As a result, the roads only had two directions he could be sure of, up and down. When he stopped for a moment to catch his breath, he saw Althea at a five-way intersection heading toward the Salagran. Althea! He wheezed, trying to catch up to her. Hang on a minute! Kronos, what happened to you? You're a hot mess. What's wrong? Vago! Kronos panted. Trying to find Vago. I need to talk. Althea pointed up the street. That way, third door on the left. Made sure to bang on the door really loud so he can hear you. Thanks, Althea. Kronos started in that direction. One more thing, Kronos, Althea added. If he asks how you found him, tell him that's what he gets for bringing up my brother. Strange request. But Kronos shrugged and ran in the direction Althea indicated. He got to the door and checked his arm computer. The transponder Vago had on his own Eros computer said this was the right place. He raised both his hands and commenced a double-fisted assault on the door, yelling, Vago! Vago! I need your help! Vago! He kept this up until Vago jerked the door open. Do you folks got some kind of alarm that goes off when I'm about to enjoy myself? Does some voice appear in your heads that says, Vago is happy. You better find him in Schmarke Biak. How'd you find me? Althea said something about her brother. Vago sighed and rubbed his head. Yeah, this ain't gonna be the last time I pay for that, Chairman Kial. What do you want? Kronos clutched the door frame. Big emergency, he panted. I need to talk to you about... Transplanetary orgy, Kronos, said Vago. Think hard on that phrase, because that's what you're ruining for me right now. So think hard. What, of all the wonders in the universe, could possibly be so interesting as to justify postponing that? I think Joanna wants to have sex with me, Kronos blurted. Vago thought for a moment and turned back to the door. I'm sorry, ladies, just one... Oh, wow, okay, you just keep doing that, and I'll be joining you in just a moment. He closed the door and took a deep breath. Okay, so Joanna, she's the cute one that runs the old transport ship, right? The one that broadcasts the signal we found? Kronos nodded. And she's taken a certain liking to you. Kronos nodded again. And you've come to me for... Instructions. Vago looked down at him in stunned shock for a few seconds longer than Kronos felt strictly necessary before he slurred, so, you want me to draw you a diagram or something? No, no, I know the mechanics, said Kronos defensively. I've spent hours in the electric bordello, days even. I see. Have you actually had sex in the real world? That depends on... Transplanetary orgy, Kronos. Not really, no. Okay, so exactly where are you running into trouble? Vago inquired. I'm not sure where to start. Okay, no problem. How do things usually start the electric bordello? Oh, oh, I've got this great new move where I take my hand like this, see with these three fingers, 
Kronos held his hand like some kind of deformed claw and started making some rapid upward gestures before Vago grabbed him by the wrist. I don't know what that is, but you should never do it again. Not here, not in the Electro Bordello, and certainly not anywhere near Joanna. Well, I can't. She's still wearing that brown robe, which is actually part of the problem. How do people even get to the naked part of sex in the real world? I, I don't know. Try kissing the girl for a start, Vago suggested desperately. Kronos nodded. Ooh, that's good. I like that. What next? Vago threw up his hands. I don't know. Maybe some light caressing around the face and neck. Maybe some nibbling on the earlobes. That seems going well. You can let your hands rub a little. German Carol! Didn't you have a colony festival where you could sneak behind the barn and figure this bias out with a preacher's daughter? Kronos thought for a moment. Well, there are farm themes in the Electro Bordello. Although you don't want to go there unprepared. It gets bizarre. Vago rubbed his temples. I don't know what else to tell you, Kronos, short of inviting you in for a live demonstration. Well, that might be useful. Not an actual invitation, Kronos. I can't tell you how disturbing it is that you considered it. Vago took Kronos by the shoulder and started walking down the street. Tell you what, just let her take the lead, okay? From what I can tell, the best thing you can do is avoid any independent thought on this topic. It's for the safety of you both. So just follow her lead. Ask her what she likes. Maybe let her guide your hand and do whatever comes natural-like. Vago pushed him down the street and turned back toward the door. Kronos whipped around. Hey, what are you supposed to do after? Vago didn't turn around. Think of it as landing a shuttle without the training. Just focus on the approach and be damn happy if anything at all happens after that. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire. Templum Veneris, the second book of the Ruins of Empire project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Predator by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. City of Geeks. Independent new media produced in Idaho.